It's Thursday, May 25th, 2017, and you're listening to episode 444 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 41 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name's Chad. Okay, and today we're down Brodor, because he's preparing for, was it Geekway to the West? Yes, he, some, like, runs it or is on the planning committee. Some or local like convention that's not Fear the Con. So, we have a new sort of charity thing going on at Fear the Con. It's tied into the same charity that yes. Derek's games are. And I'll link is this Derek. the Mana Core thing? Corn? Mana Corn thing? Mana Corn. I guess is what it's called. Okay, so I'm going to put a bunch of links to this in the show notes. First of all, Derek Knudsen is still running the charity games that are going to go directly to supporting Pat's cancer treatment. And once again, I, I really wish you'd said goes to support Pat's cancer. And there's like two competing charities, <laughs> one to like support Pat in this horrible time of need. And the other one for just some weird reason, just directly supporting his cancer. Well, no one, is, head. no one has sent any money to the cancer cells. No, no, so. and nobody will. And see, we it's like a honeypot, right? It's We're identifying the sociopaths in our community. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> or people that are genetic bigots. I don't know, something. So, okay, so here's how it's going to work. So between a combination of the GoFundMe page for Pat's cancer treatment and also any money that Derek collects at Fear the Con, so these two numbers will be added together, all right? So if you're there, you can give to Derek. If you're not going to be there, you can donate on the GoFundMe page. At $10,000... That's all total, not just somebody slapping down a wad. For, yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, if somebody wants to slap down ten grand. if somebody brings in a briefcase for Pat, we're okay hey, with that. Yeah. No questions asked. We don't. There, do... There's just an exchange of the nuclear football for the briefcase full of money. Precisely. Oh, no, he's not giving you up that, but he might give you a lap dance. All right. <laughs> so true. here's how it's going to work. Operation Manicorn. So what's going to happen is there's a local hair salon called Mitch STL. And Mitch STL, which I'll link in the show notes because we appreciate them being willing to do this. All right. So I appreciate it very much. And if you live in the St. Louis area and you need a hair corn, manicorn, or haircut, which I suppose is... Or corn rows. Or corn rows. Yeah, or corn. Maybe they sell corn. Maybe. Check out Mitch STL. I'll put a link to them in the show notes. I wish I had hair in my head to get cut or corn rows or manicorn or whatever. I do. (laughs) And it's wonderful. It is. (laughs) But, all right. So here's... I dream about running my hands through your hair and then pretending it's mine. At... If... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> not, uh, you're not mine right right because the, we're not gay for each other but your hair is luxurious and i wish it was on my all right head. so at the ten thousand dollar level we collect or we reach mm. a total of a ten thousand dollar milestone then mikey mason yes. good old comedy rock star mikey mason who will be performing if you're the con zach lorton mm. who's been on the show that, that all was, excellent bald men yes <laughs> and Dan Krensky, Sergeant Dan Krensky. Not a bald man, but will, good nonetheless. Will all have their facial hair manicorn colored, which basically means it's going to be dyed into a, a the kind of rainbow sort of pattern. Yes. All right, I will I will link to what a manicorn is if you've never seen one. If they get to the fifteen thousand dollar level mm-hmm. for once again for Pat's cancer stuff, then Mikey will go old glitter on the beard. And Dan Krensky, who's the only one in there 
that's not bald. Yeah, full head of hair. Will also have his hair rainbow colored. <laughs> and Dan Krinsky is a former Marine sergeant. Yes. So No, he is a Marine sergeant. Oh, is he currently? Well, no. But yes and no. Oh, oh, oh. When does uh, a Marine right. stop yeah, being yeah, a Marine? Yeah, that's right. The answer is right. never. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm he, not a Marine. He is not an active service, mm-hmm. but he is very much a Marine sergeant. Yes. So at 10K, Mikey Zach and Sergeant Dan all have their facial hair colored. At 15 grand, Mikey goes full glitter on the beard, and Sergeant Dan throws in his head getting colored. So the deadline for Mikey and Zach is going to be Wednesday, June 21st. Sergeant Dan is going to carry his over to the following morning. So the 12.01 a.m. of June 22nd. Okay? Mm-hmm. So you need to get your money to either Derek or the GoFundMe page by then. But if you get it, then they're going to add up everything from the Fear the Con charity plus the GoFundMe page. And if we make those mile markers, then Mitch STL, wonderful hair salon here in town, once again, if you need a haircut, you need your hair dyed, whatever it is you want done, please consider checking them out. They are going to take care of doing this coloring and debasing these individuals <laughs> for the sake of Pat's cancer, after which we will tell them this has all been a very sophisticated hoax yeah. just to get them to dye their hair ridiculous colors. We actually gave Pat unnecessary chemo just to sell it. Oh, The whole podcast was created. Yes. Just for this purpose. That's been the plan. That, the whole time. Back in like February, March of 2006, when I was first thinking about mm-hmm. Fear the Boot, long before its first episode, that was the plan, is I'm going to find a man, get him to tell the public he has cancer, <laughs> and then we are going to build people for their money. No, it's not even about the money. It's about publicly debasing people with rainbow hair. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's what this whole thing's been about. Yeah. So, all righty, Wayne... You had an idea that I want to talk about, and at first, I'm going to be honest and tell you that until you explained it to me, <laughs> it sounded like we were going to have to give you a stroke test <laughs> because I could make neither heads nor tails over what the hell you were talking about because you were like, oh, you should name your bennies after people. And I'm like, why would you do this? See, I had so- a different view on it. Like. I did not, I comprehended it, but I was fading in and out. Like I would get really lucid and give examples and kind of be like, yeah, that's great. And then a day would pass. I'm like, the hell are we even talking about? I always leave these things vague. Just so you have that moment of what the hell is he talking about until I explain them. So I will admit, I intentionally do that to you in particular, because you got to get your fun somewhere. Yeah, that's true. So where this I mean, came- we can only laugh at Pat's cancer so much. Yeah. <laughs> so where this came up is I was playing a game last week, and it was a one-shot, and the uh, the person running it, uh, Apollyon from the forums, okay. had it was a Savage Worlds-based game, and as he handed out the bennies, he had a concept form. He called them splats, which was the subpar, see, subpar land assault teams. Okay. Huh. And they all represented NPCs. And the idea was, when you used one, that NPC was dying to give you your opportunity. And it was a comedy game, so it was really amusing. But it got me thinking about that. And I love the idea of doing this for any game that has, like, hero points, fate points. Fate's a little different because they actually use aspects. Mm -hmm. But bennies and things like that, taking the time to explain, it's not just a case of, okay, I rolled poorly, here's a benny, I'm re-rolling. 
but actually having to come up with a reason why you have that reroll. Right. Yeah. Okay. So any which I think you should do anyway. Any system it's, that gives you some kind of perk points, rerolls, chips, whatever. Bullets. Bullets, yeah. Battletech Edge, uh in Savage it, Worlds, it's Benny Chips. So whatever. All right. Usually it's just treated like a retcon. Oh, that didn't happen. This happened. Yeah. So yeah, let me roll some extra dice or let me annul a uh, roll that the game master made. Let me deconstruct something that's a fairly well-known storytelling element. And this is perhaps illustrated nowhere more clearly than the Star Trek red shirt. The purpose from a... He says wearing a red shirt. Yeah, I actually (laughs) am wearing a red shirt. But the purpose of a red shirt in Star Trek is they want to demonstrate to the audience the dangerousness or the lethality of a situation or an alien or some element of the story. And so they have to show that there's something real on the line. But at the same time, they don't want to kill somebody whose name is in the credits. And so you can't kill Kirk or Spock or McCoy or whatever. And so instead, you kill a red shirt to show that death is a real possibility and to up the emotional ante without actually damaging the financial core right. of the store, right? The people that you've William invested Shatner in. signed a 10-episode deal. You cannot kill him on episode three. Right. You could be able to pull out of wasted money, I guess, if you like Captain Kirk, which I personally do, but that's a different episode. All right. So you see this all throughout storytelling where people get introduced with the intention of them being eliminated simply to describe the emotional ante. Now, in most role-playing games, where you have something like Edge or Benny's or whatever that is, these uh, in what is it in Quags? The yum-yums. The yum-yums, yum-yums in Quags, yeah, the little jelly beans or whatever you can eat to get a re-roll. Then, Wayne, as you described, it's fairly impersonal. It's somebody shot at you, took your head off, you just push forward that chip or eat your yum-yum or whatever it is, and you just say, no, it didn't work out that way. Give me a re-roll. Yeah, and that was the fun thing is, so when he did it, he said, don't don't bother naming them or getting attached to them. So the first thing we did was we named them all. Of course. And by the end of the game, we weren't wanting to use them because they were our NPCs that well, we got attached right, to. See, now, so here's here's the counter idea, right? Here's what, as far as I understood it, when we talk this over at dinner, that as I started to get the idea, that the idea is that you take that chip and you tie it to something. So if you're in a squad of soldiers and a shot kills you, you push forward a chip for Private Buckass, <laughs> and no, you didn't die. Private Buckass had a moment of heroism and literally fell on that grenade. And he took it instead of you, and you use that chip to explain what occurred. And yep. it creates, I think, if you do it seriously, not in a comedy game, obviously it's just slapstick. Yeah, this was comedy, but I thought it could really be used in serious games. But in a serious game, especially if you tie it to something that people have an investment in, if you say, look, you don't just get the reroll, you, in order to get this reroll, or to get this bonus, you have to explain why somebody else has expended a resource. The resource may be their life. And I've got some other ideas we'll come back mm-hmm. to. But for simplicity's sake, let's start with the resources their life. They died to keep this from happening to me. That 
does add a whole lot of context to things. Not to mention that you've now moved the game mechanic from a purely metagame one to it is now suddenly it has an in-character context of this didn't just happen by luck. It happened by somebody else's actions. So like in Blades in the Dark, they have a mechanic like this. I forget if what it is, you know, a chip or points or something. It, it's been a while since we played. And how you're supposed to do it is, let's say, somebody shoots Wayne's character, right? And what I am supposed to do as the Game Master, we make the rolls and all that sort of stuff, and Wayne's character gets shot. And then I describe the shot, you know, okay, he he fires his, uh, you know, electrophysmic pistol and a gout of blue lightning smoke erupts from the gun and it strikes Wayne in his chest or Wayne's character is chested. You know, you see Wayne clutches chest and fall to the ground or whatever. And Wayne is like, well, I'm going to play whatever it is. I forget. Again, I forget the mechanic to make that not happen. Well, again, I am supposed to describe what happens. He really did get shot. Wayne expends the resource. Now Wayne takes narrative control. You don't rewind what happened. Wayne got shot, but then something cool happens. Like, for instance, Wayne could describe, so my character, you know, falls to the ground and then stands back up with a wry smile and pulls the flask with a bullet in it out of his chest pocket and takes a drink and throws it over his shoulder. That was my favorite flask. (laughs) You know, and that's, that's the kind of stuff that you're supposed to do. You know, I like the idea of, you know, there are NPCs in a comedy game or whatever, the red shirt thing and having it be different mechanics. But I think the end goal is supposed to be make it descriptive, role play it out and find a method to take it away from just chin kicking. You take 15 points of damage. No, here is a resource. I take two points of damage next person. You know, that's what you were trying to get away from here. Well, and this is where I started to think in other directions than simply a person dying or perhaps even a person at all that you could put something on there. Like you could say this chip represents my resourcefulness. Right. And so it could be like, okay, Wayne's character gets shot. He plays his resourcefulness and says, no, no. At the last place we stopped, I picked up some, I picked, I bought that mm-hmm. flask. Yeah. And so I was using that flask because we've already established in the role play that my character has a bit of a drinking problem. In Blades in the Dark? No. And so <laughs> I, this is my flask. Or you put could put on there something like, uh, I have a favor from so-and-so. And you have to be able to explain this in context. So somebody goes to shoot Wayne. It's like, you know, no, I have a favor from a local cop, mm-hmm. and that cop, this is his beat. He just so happens to be walking by this area, sees a guy drawing a beat on Wayne, and he pops a shot off that forces this guy to miss his shot. Right. But now you've expended that. So yeah. suddenly... Now we're even. This, yeah, exactly. This <laughs> yeah. cop doesn't owe you a favor anymore. Yeah. And so you have to start thinking about these re-rolls in the context of where did you get them from and how does their appearance instead of just change a sort the of story mystical fate and i don't mean like fate points because 
actually in fate that that's kind of what they're supposed to be is that that there's this fate that is tied to your backstory sure. and stuff. Yeah. But it is this mystical fate that things just sort of happen and it I guess it kind of represents in role playing games that in when you're reading a novel or watching a movie things just kind of do happen cuz they need to. But no, what I it like, reminds me of is the TV shows where they'll show something and then something horrible will happen and it'll go to commercial break. When it comes back, they start four or five seconds before that, and the horrible thing doesn't actually happen. You ever read Misery by Stephen King? I know the story. Because that's what, that's what the whole story is about. Is she it's, wants him to retcon. Yeah. yeah, her character's she, he, He's an author. He kills the character because he's tired of writing this sort of hack work. He wants to move on, but he's sort of, he has a golden handcuff to the book series. And so he writes in her death. And then the misery lady kidnaps him and tortures him. And so he's like, okay, well, fine, I'll rewrite it. And he does a cheat. He does, oh, well, it didn't really happen that way. You just didn't see whatever, you know, the twist was. And she just kicks the shit out of him because he cheated. He cheated. He needs to make it real. And it, it, there's this whole thing about how she went to a theater as a kid. And it was one of those, uh, new, not newsreel, but the, you know, uh, serialized sort of shows and the hero was tied to a train. The train went over a cliff. I mean, it went over a cliff and is crashing. And then next week they show him at the top of the cliff standing there. Ha ha. Good thing. I wasn't tied to that train. And because she's crazy, she was screaming. It's like, that's not how it happened. Yo, and they had to like drag her from the theater. You know what you're reminding me of right now, possibly intentionally on some, subconscious level yes. Alan Wake. Oh my God. I love that game <laughs> because this is way over. It's your mark. So if you've not played Alan Wake tough, tough, you should have, we've been telling you to play it since we, <laughs> right. It. And it's yeah, that, that ship long sailed. But in Alan Wake, the setup to the plot is that he's a, they seem to make him modeled more or less after he kind of struck me as Dean Coons. Yeah. He's kind of a thriller writer. He doesn't write horror. He writes more of like thriller and, and yeah. kind of intrigue type stuff. It, it's kind of a mix between Twilight Zone and Twin Peaks. Yeah. Kind of mashed together. And he ends up staying at a house mm-hmm. that has all this like dark magic and, and kind of just weird stuff occurring around it. And Or is he crazy? Or is he crazy? <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of one of the questions left open in the game. And one of the things that he determines is that whatever is thought of in this house will happen and his wife ends up getting killed and so he wants or does she or does she yeah <laughs> and he wants to rewrite reality so that that doesn't happen but there are rules to the game mm-hmm. and one of the rules is in order for the writing to work the writing can't be cheap he yeah. cannot just write my wife didn't die it has to follow the formula of a horror story, which is not his normal genre. Mm. And so there's all this struggle and all these people that die and all this loss and all this darkness and all this horrible stuff. But the idea that he's doing through the whole thing is he and this evil are playing a mind game with each other where the evil is trying to force him to write a story that darkens reality. And he's trying to write it in a way that plays its rules. But at the end, somehow works out for the better and basically turns this dark powers own rules against itself. 
Or does he? <laughs> but but the point being, though, that kind of in the same way, yeah. he part of the reason his reality sucks so much is because he wasn't allowed to take any shortcuts. Yeah. He wasn't allowed to cheapen it. And, and, I, and that's a good thing because it made for a great story. It did. It would have been know? really boring if it just been like five minutes of him like, okay, my <laughs> wife's airbag deployed. It's all cool. Or yeah. I don't remember how she died. Oh, and by the way, uh, uh, we found a winning lottery ticket and, uh, yeah. you know, it's all, it's all legit. And yeah, have to push away a chick's giving me a blowjob <laughs> under the table right now. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's not how it worked out. And that's. Or did it? Just <laughs> like you. <laughs> But that's what this reminds me of, is it takes away some of that cheapness, I guess, of the re-roll. It makes you create character depth. It makes you re... And I think this is also a good checksum, because if you're the game master, assuming you have players that play in good faith, assuming they're not just constantly trying to min-max or... Ham the rules or whatever. Dan, my saw character is totally min max though. <laughs> but if what they write on those chips mm-hmm. ought to tell you something about either a what they care about, yeah, or b what it is they're taking away from the world. Meaning, if I write on there, well, this is about my contacts and the people that I know. Well, clearly that says something about how I interpret my character. My character must have at least in my mind, meaningful contacts with somebody. So there's something great for the game master to, one, observe, and then to, two, to leverage. Fate takes what you're saying and approaches it from the other direction. It's You have the aspects and tags and all that sort of stuff, which are tied to the story, which are tied to you, which are tied to the scene. They may be very ephemeral and momentary. They may be something you can create, or they may be something that reaches way deep down into your character. And the chips, the binnies, the fate points, whatever we want to call them, fuel those. They allow you or other people to bring those to the surface, to make them more than just uh, a single sentence on a piece of paper, some pithy, you know, one-liner. And and so they have meaning. And again, I still think all of these different methods, all these different ways are just trying to get away from the you take 12 points of damage. No, I don't. Here's my resource. I take two points of damage, which is really f***ing boring. You know, we're playing a game. We have a story here. We have this narrative. We have these characters. We put a lot of work into them, and then we want to get away from combat stops that, and combat is a different thing. The more we can take the rolling, even if it's not combat, even if it's all kind of different stuff, if we can take the mechanics and integrate that into the narrative, into the play, the game gets better. And I think these methods help that. As long as you just don't slap the resource down and say, no, that didn't happen, or I'd like my reroll. And and I see that in my group. I see that in a lot of groups because it's very easy. You know, say there's a running gunfight. You know, I do this. I do this. You do that. I do this. And you're going, and it's just like, I rolled. I screwed up the roll. Here's my resource. Okay, I do this. I do that. It's like, and every time I see that, I'm like, whoa. What aspect are you tagging? How are you tagging it? What are you doing? I'm not the game master, but I'm asking anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Chad has become real rules guy when it comes to fate. Yeah. It actually is kind of funny. The reason I am like that is... 
the rules in fate, and I, I'm going to sound like a fate salesman here for a minute. <laughs> I don't get a commission on this. Fate does a really good job of integrating story, narrative, role-playing in with mechanical combat. There's less of a separation. There's less of a gray line if you play it as intended, which means you have to know the rules. You have to follow the rules, vague as they are, squishy as they are, as they are. You you have to know them and you have to follow them. And that's something that we in our group don't really quite do enough. And th- there are a lot of, I see a lot of, well, I want to do this. That's great. Well, roll this. Okay, I'm rolling this. Here's a chip. Two more points. Wait. <laughs> no. The rules. What are you doing? Because it's so cool when you get them to stop. You get them to stop and you say, okay, what aspect are you tagging? Now, why are you doing it? What is happening? And it draws them out. It draws out that. Yeah, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. You're wrong. <laughs> I, or are you? Because <laughs> I, I played Fate. I played several yeah. fate, several incarnations of Fate. Sure. Most notably probably being Dresden, but I've, I've mm-hmm. played other incarnations of Fate. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think you can play a fate ship unless it's tagged to something. Isn't correct. That, isn't that correct? correct? Okay, yeah, that's what I that's thought. That's absolutely correct. Yeah, that you cannot just say, here's a chip. To give me my plus two or yeah. give me my reroll. Yeah, and I think it's got to be the other way that the game master has to compel with a reason. They cannot yeah. just yep. they can't just say, well, I'll give you a chip if you'll take that on the chin. They have to say, I'll give you a chip because of your well, aspect yeah, well, yeah. in the last gaming session it actually drove me crazy because i wanted to compel something like, and i all looked Cthulhu drove you crazy like, <laughs> almost you've seen the color from outer space <laughs> it's actually I, one of my favorite uh stories but so anyway i had reached a situation of i wanted to compel a player to do something and i'm looking at the aspects and none of them worked for it right and it's like it was driving me crazy as i couldn't come up with a way to compel because none of them fit in that situation. See, he wasn't being creative enough. And I say that because I had my ultimate compel I did on another character. Sarah's character and her fiancé boyfriend who they broke up because she doesn't know how to handle a, re- a serious relationship. And he is too in love, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then so that that's like a bad combination. And then the relationship disintegrated several games ago very moving very interesting really cool stuff and things happen things happen things happen several games and then the scene they're in the same room together everybody's like we're leaving the room and because this is really awkward awkward and they start talking and it's like the the love talk the are we going to do this are we going to you know build this up so i compel her with a fate chip i compel she had one of her aspects is private eye and i compel private eye that she can't take her eyes off his junk (laughs) 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 and i'm like and she took it i'm like yes worth it and my character got doubly funny because the other name for private eye is right right (laughs) i was like my character got (laughs) totally screwed right he got totally screwed later on 
because I spent all my fake chips on <laughs> bullshit like that. And I'm like, every time he got totally shot or put, I'm like, worth it, worth it. You know, it's well, also kind of interesting because it compels, excuse the pun, the game master to think about handing it, these out. Because if I pass you a Benny, a mm. bullet, an edge point, whatever, mm. then I can opt, it, if we go with this method, to say, this is why I'm giving it to you. And even if the rules otherwise would not necessitate, let's just say you have a refresh of, let's go battle tech. You get back mm. your edge every sitting or every adventure, depending on which rules you use. And so you're supposed to just get two of them. But maybe I say, okay, well, based on what happened last game, you're angry towards this particular faction, so that's one edge. Mm. And so-and-so owes you a favor, that's your other edge. Or so-and-so gave you some pointers on yeah. something. That's your other edge. And I could do the exact same thing in Fate. I could do the exact same thing in Skies of Glass with the bullets. Mm-hmm. You know, if I decide to hand you a bullet because of something you did, I could say, you know, this specifically represents this. You had a really great conversation with this NPC. You've earned a bit of his loyalty. It's not enough that I'm actually going to shift any stats or anything, but he likes you more than he did. And so I'm going to give you a bullet that represents his support of you. Mm-hmm. So now when you play that, I can contextualize that in terms of, ah, okay, you didn't take that hit because he knocked you out of the way or whatever the case may be. And so it makes me think about handing them out. I mean, I guess you could go the other way of asking the player, say, look, I'm going to give you a bullet. You tell me what it is. Let me give you two suggestions. First, turn it into an economy. And by, what I mean by that is you give me a work around talk sock. I do something, you give me a bullet, but it has to be contextualized. You just can't, it's just not, we're not doing just points and numbers anymore. Everything has to have a reason for happening. So you give me a bullet and it's contextualized of the NPC on our boat. This is in our current game. If you're listening to our AP and our part of the Patreon, the NPC on our boat likes you more than the other guys. And, you know, he's been looking out for you. When you're on the boat. So ideally, if something happens on the boat, I can and bad to me, I can spin this and then, you know, make a roll or do whatever. Big Bertha, the lunch lady is giving you an extra scoop of mashed potatoes because she likes you. And so you're more you have more nutrition than the rest of the right. crew. So I've got this NPC on the boat bullet. Wayne has a bullet that is his mom is a seamstress. And before we left on the cruise, she, you know, Gave, it isn't armor or anything, but we have sort of scavenged crap clothes. He has well-made clothes tailored to him. I mean, he isn't like walking around like a pimp, but his mom's a seamstress and takes his measurement, makes everything exactly for him and gives him that just that little extra mom touch, right? He has a bullet. Out of character, I go to Wayne like, you know, I really don't want to interact with its, this NPC. I It just never really happens for my character. But you interact with him all the time. I will trade you my NPC bullet for your clothes bullet if we say your mom likes me a lot and made me nice clothes. Okay, <laughs> trade. <laughs> well, and you could even keep that going story-wise. Yeah, and, of, and there's a reason in a story well, behind well, it. Like, well, not just that, but I, like the NPC that was really good friends with Chad sees Wayne... Mm-hmm. give you his pants which <laughs> i'm not saying <laughs> he gives you a lot of rumors pants, yeah but, but the point being that that npc is like huh i saw you helping out my friend you know maybe you're not such a bad guy 
Right. And so that suddenly explains why this NPC is now paying some attention to Wayne. Yeah. yeah. When that exchange happens. And he, plus he's seen you pantless, so now he's stopped paying attention to <laughs> right. you. Right. Yeah. Now Wayne's hear. pantless, and I can't compete with that. Because you can't yeah. throw down a chip to compel his dick. Right. <laughs> Private eye. So, but yeah, and that exchange, it doesn't have to be pages and pages of novels, but it's just a bit of flavor that adds to the story. That's point one. Point two is, why don't you write this into the rules of SOG? I could, you know. No, I, I, no, don't be I could. <laughs> Do. Well, the only reason I say I could is because the first game is in, well, less than two days. I, you got time? <laughs> what are you doing? You you jack off at work all the time. Uh, Bust yeah. it out. No, I wish I could right now. <laughs> I, I had to explain what I'm doing at work. I would lead to a political rant, so I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to go down that road. Yeah, so, I mean, Wayne, when you... Threw this out there. I mean, at first it sounded like a stroke, but because you're <laughs> but just maybe like, you were the one. Having which, this. like I said, it's fair talking about like whipping out a baby name book for his Benny chips. I mean, it's like <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like something they do in Japan. It in makes... fairness, I do intentionally make it a little vague and ridiculous just to get that reaction from you because I enjoy that. So we're talking a lot about fate chips and things around the table. I saw the coolest thing over the uh, the weekend that I had to go out and buy from Amazon. It got me thinking about things around the table. So, you know how we typically have, we'll have, like, table tents. We'll, like, we'll take a post-it note, a card, Most note people card. don't have those. I have three characters, and people get mixed up, so <laughs> yeah. I put a table tent out with an index card with the current character I'm playing's name on it. They're pretty common at con games. And yeah, things con too, games are great. Yeah. But usually they're just paper fold-over things. So, someone brought in, these are hard plastic dry erase, and they're... They're table tents, but they're reusable. And so I got a huge kick out of this. You write the character name on the front, face it to everyone else. But then I have a whole dry erase side for myself. So like in one game, I was playing a magic user and I was tracking my spell usage on the back of it. Yeah, Hmm. track your hit points. Yeah, tracking hit points. Tracking a number of things. Yeah. For at a con game, you write the other people's names around the table if you wanted to. I mean, in this case, you don't have to because they all have the table tents. Yeah. But I thought that was so interesting. I went out to Amazon and bought a set of them for our group. Yeah, Wayne, I want you to give me a link to this because I'm going to put this in the show notes. And I'm actually going to order myself a set because I think this sounds awesome. The idea of having these table tents because, I mean, you can just take a piece of poster board or a piece of, you know, an index card, whatever fold it over and make a, a tabletop out of it. But the idea of having one that's dry erase reusable, that yeah. just sounds really cool and also very useful. Yeah, for one game, I was playing a cobalt. I drew my cobalt. And as things went in throughout the game and he got things, I would spin it around, erase something, and then draw a new thing on there. Hmm. He fought a minotaur and he got the minotaur horn. So I put, I drew them around his neck and, <laughs> you know, he had his sword and, you know, if if he would have gotten uh, cut, I would have drawn the cuts on there, and things like that are just. I love the tangible things at the table. That's why I love the bullets so much in Sog, and I like having fate chips mm-hmm. or things like that because I like having something physically in my hand at the game table. And for Blades in the Dark, I ordered coins from around the world, cheap, like really right, cheap, right, you right, know, right. pennies and stuff from all these different countries around the world, uh, because. All the money is to find his coin, and then you don't really have a whole lot of coins. It's not like I have 500 coins, like in D&D or something. You have, like, 2 to 10, or 10, 10, you're, like, outrageously wealthy. So instead of people just tracking them, I got these coins. 
for everybody. And it, they were, you know, it's like when you're kind of not doing anything for the moment, people were looking at the coins, seeing from where they were from around the world. Just a little stuff like that, I think, kind of adds a bit of flavor to the game. Yeah, I was uh, in a Call of Cthulhu game, and he was running a module, but he had taken the time to make copies of all of the like news articles in there and then cut them out and cut them out in a way that it looked like they were actually clippings from the newspaper. Mm-hmm. So when you find an item in game, instead of just reading you what it says, he would be able to hand it around. Call of Cthulhu has a lot, or, well, there's so many different versions of it over the years. Whatever yeah. version I happen to have from, like, 10, 15 years ago, uh, there was a supplement that was uh, just different props. It's all paper. It's all flat. Mm-hmm. So they had, like, ink blots, but all the ink blots were actually in the shape of, like, monsters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah, it is uh, there were patient intake forms. There were, you know, doctors prescription forms notes right. all kind of like sanitarium paperwork it was yeah it was pretty cool yeah i love things like that in game it's something i'm trying to do in the skies of glass game so instead of coins from around the world it, you know, bottle caps no 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 <laughs> i uh ended up grabbing a bunch of replica metal not obviously gold but spanish doubloons mm. which is kind of it was kind of a weird choice because that's not i mean it's not like it takes place in the age of sail or right. something but it was still it was kind of, you know, it had a seafaring sort of mm-hmm. take to it. Since it looks like when I conduct the first game, maybe, well, the first game is going to be in two days, but it may be a prologue game since Broder won't be there. Yeah. I'm thinking that that gives me a little more time. I may go to like, was it Rare Metals Foundry or mm-hmm. whatever it's called and uh, see if they've got something that's perhaps even more in theme. I thought about handing out my null coins, but that just seemed mm. <laughs> a little bit too off kilter. Yeah. I vaguely remember either I was in a game or I was running a game where I had the players each had an item. Yeah. And it was just like just something Diaspora. Diaspora. Yeah. Each represented something about their character. It could be anything. Just some physical thing that, you know, had meaning to the player that kind of just put their character in their mind. I, I think that stuff's helpful. Maybe not for all people. Not all people are visual or tactile. No, but, uh, no, they're not. It's fun. But I am, and that's all that really matters. I know, right? Yeah, as long as Wayne's satisfied. Exactly. <laughs> He's around the game right now, so yeah. All right, well, I think that's where we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, once again, check the show notes, because we're going to have links to stuff on the Manicorn charity <laughs> for Zach Lorton, Mikey Mason, and Sergeant Dan. Once again, a big thanks to Mitch STL for hooking us up with this. Check the show notes for that if you live in the area. Or you're just coming down for Fear the Con and you need a haircut. <laughs> or yeah. you want to pay them for a manicorn if that's your thing. I don't, I don't know. But <laughs> who am I to judge? You well, love judging. I do. <laughs> well, that's actually why there's a, there's a great quote in a original series Star Trek episode. Uh-huh. Kirk's background is he was raised on a colony where there was a food shortage. Kirk? Yeah. I thought he was raised in Kansas. Wasn't he an all-American boy? He, that's like, that's like where he was from, but he... I, you see, I don't know. This uh, could just be, see, the Trekkies are going to come after No, 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 no. I'm wrong. positive on the background on this. Yeah, remember, they changed the background for the relaunch movies. They did, but I thought but no, originally even, he was from Yeah, Earth, like that was Kansas. where... I don't know. At one point, though, he was on a colony world. Sure. And while he was on that colony world, there was a famine... And the guy that ran the planet decided 
to allow half the population to starve to save the other half. Wow. So rather than having insufficient food where everybody starves to death, it's this half dead, this half fed and survives. And there is an episode where Kirk has him on the Enterprise, but doesn't know for sure it's him. Is trying to figure it out. And he's talking, yeah, he's talking to the guy's daughter Uh and the guy's daughter says, who are you to judge? And Kirk has this great response of who do I have to be? Mm -hmm. And so that's, who am I to judge? Who do I have to be? I have no memory of this. It's, I, I, I don't know. I'll link that. It's been sh- a long time. This is utterly pointless, but I'll link this to the show. No, notes. this is very important. I'll, I'll link the memory alpha article on this. Oh my show God. Notes. That's like going to be huge. Yeah. Uh, I'll just find the Wikipedia. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right. So, and then also I will link to what Wayne referenced, which these uh, dry erase table stands. I think that's a great idea. In mm. fact, I think I'm going to be getting those for our games. So, Anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. Yeah. This has been a production of Fear the Booth, copyright 2017. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.